3: My name is Chris Plank. We call our early week edition The Game Plan. Let me go ahead and tear down the fourth wall here, if you will, because typically we tape our Tuesday podcast early on Monday. Usually it would be either after my show or at some point when Toby is free and clear. But with the excitement over the NCAA Women's Basketball Selection Show, we decided to wait until after the field was announced and You know, we knew there was a good opportunity that the Sooners could potentially be left out, but for the 19th straight season, Oklahoma is back in the big dance. That's right. The Sooners women's basketball team receives a 12 seed, and they're in the NCAA tournament. There was a little bit of doubt that the Sooners might not make it, but yet here we are. They were one of the last Eight teams under consideration and something that, honestly, I I had never seen the NCAA selection committee do before. They had released eight teams that were battling for four spots. The Sooners were in that group of eight. They were the second team from that group of eight that ended up getting selected. And they will head to College Station to face number five DePaul at 11 a.m. on Friday, so the Sooners are in, and you might say the Paul sounds familiar. Yeah, these two teams have put on some incredible matchups the last couple of times when they've played each other. As a matter of fact, saw this uh, saw these numbers on our buddy Tyler Palmatier's Twitter feed, and of course, Ty, a I guess you could say a regular here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. The last two times OU and DePaul played included November of this season. It was a 111-108 loss. By the Sooners in overtime, and then these two teams also met in the 2014 NCAA tournament, and DePaul won that game 104 to 100. So the Sooners 16 and 14 on the season are in. Congratulations to Coach Sherry Cole and the Sooners women's basketball team. They are in. They will take on DePaul. 19th straight tournament trip for the Sooners women's basketball team. Their 35 RPI ranking helped get them in, and the Sooners will take on DePaul at 11 a.m. in College Station on Friday. Hey, coming up later in the Sooners Sports podcast, we'll go in-depth on the start of spring practice. We heard from Lincoln Riley, and we promised you we'll bring that press conference to you coming up here in just a bit. And we'll also hear from Lon Kruger after the men's team made the tournament. And with Toby Rowland coming up here in just a bit, one of make this promise that coming up on Friday we will bring you instant reaction from the Sooners first round game against DePaul in the women's tournament so there you have it congratulations to Sherry Cole congratulations to the OU women's basketball team they're in the NCAA tournament as are the men and that's where our focus is as we welcome in Toby Rowland,
2: would Oklahoma make it Yes, they will. Out of the Big 12, 18 and 13, they do boast the great freshman Trey Young. They stumbled down the stretch, but the Sooners do get in with an at-large berth. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania,
3: that's where first and second round games will be played on Thursday and Saturday. The Rams of Rhode Island will take on Oklahoma. Listen, Trey Young, first player to ever lead College of Basketball in scoring and assists. t you were there on Sunday evening at the banquet. Whenever the is found out they were in, can you take us through what your emotions were like and kind of the nerves leading up to the announcement of Oklahoma
4: being in the tournament? I said to myself, I'm going to, hand this, I'm going to handle this calm and cool regardless of what happens. My my family's with me. My boys are here. I'm going to be a loving father if this doesn't go the way we want it to go. Uh, it's going to be a very difficult room. Yeah. And if it goes the way that I that we hope it goes there's gonna be much much celebration but I'm gonna be a professional about this you know I'm just you know maybe a nod of the head or a smile or something like that. As soon as I saw our name on the screen, two hands in the air like we just scored a touchdown. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Nothing like reaction videos. I couldn't man. help it. they'll never get old to me and I'm glad they're in. I'm glad they get an opportunity you know we can complain about the format of the selection show. Uh, but, hey, you know what? The Sooners are in. You get to go to Pittsburgh. I got
4: no complaints. I liked it. Am I Did alone you? in that?
3: You're very much alone based on the social media reaction to the way things went. Uh, but, again, well, good. I've stopped basing the way I feel about things on what Twitter says. So I feel like I'm a better person already. But I, I liked- thought
4: it was fun. I, I got the to man- reveal one at a time, really built the drama. You're kind of trying to figure out what the alphabetical order was and if you're coming up next. And uh, I liked it. With that said. I think I like at least the first-round
3: matchup even more. I mean, Duke's pretty awesome. I, I, I like what they've done so far this year. But, Toby, I kind of dig the opportunity to play a Rhode Island team and then a quick turnaround if you get a chance to play that 2 seed Duke. If they can get out of the first round, I'm not complaining too much about the draw
4: either. No, it's not bad. You know, uh, uh, considering 24 hours ago, you didn't know if you were getting in and you thought if you did get in, you're probably going to Dayton. So you're going to have to win a game to get to a site, and then, you know. So what they ended up with, not even having to go to Dayton, and not that Rhode Island, every team is good. Every team is good. Rhode Island is good and may beat us by 20, I don't know. But it isn't a matchup you look at and say, well, they got no chance here. Right. If Oklahoma plays well, they can beat Rhode Island. Absolutely they can.
3: I will say, uh, I I just dig – the way this team reacted. You know, it, there were so many opportunities to where you can say, all right, fresh start here. Let's wipe the slate clean. Big 12 tournament was one of those. But, you know, tell me to see that pure joy. You know, I saw a team that still wanted to play, I saw a team that still wanted to go out and compete. And that gets me fired up for Thursday.
4: I got a question on a radio show last week asking if uh, this team had just given up and they want the season to be over with. <laughs> And I said, I mean, you got to be kidding. I mean, I know that the play on the court has not been inspiring of late. But if you honestly think that these young men, coaches, everybody who worked their whole lives to be able to play Division One college basketball and a yep. shot at the NCAA tournament and only get so many shots a year uh, to play college basketball, something they've dreamed about, that they just wanted to be over with, then you're completely out of touch. <laughs> They are trying every trick in the bag to figure out how to turn this around. They're desperately trying to figure out how to get their mojo back. Players, coaches, everyone involved. And I think you saw that yesterday in their reaction to getting in, how much it still means to them. I mean, Trey couldn't even look up at the screen. and uh, I, Somebody asked me if the team hates Trey because Trey was sitting down and everybody Gosh. else was – I was like, come on, people, quit trying to read too much into everything. Trey was so dadgum nervous he couldn't watch. Kadim breaks into a dance. It was a beautiful moment, I thought. So hopefully they get second life and they go take advantage of it and, uh, you know, get a little bit hot here. That would be a lot of fun. It would be a great story if they could. I agree.
3: And, by the way, you're pretty much good luck with this baseball team, Toby. If someone else no calls the game,
4: yeah, we're out. I can't trust you guys with anything. That's right. <laughs>
3: Just send me over Never to mind. More
4: than I think about it, we can't have Plank <laughs> or Chad calling the game. <laughs>
3: Great stuff there from Toby. Toby will be in Pittsburgh, obviously, with the team calling Thursday's game. He'll join us for Friday's tailgate to hopefully recap the first-round win and prepare the Sooners for the winner of that 2-15 matchup in the second round, likely a showdown with Duke. And as you might imagine, Lon Kruger was with a couple of his players, including Trey Young, and the excitement was palpable. I mean, this was a team that knew that they – we're very much on the bubble, but when they got in, it was exciting for Coach Kruger and this entire team. Here was their post-announcement press conference from Sunday evening. Excited for the guys.
5: Uh, obviously, uh, great respect for Rhode Island, how good of a year they've had, and uh, know, uh, know how tough that will be. What uh, were
6: those moments like right after Ohio State popped up and you knew the next one was going to be all or it was going to be nothing?
7: I mean, it was a uh, – I mean um, – uh, I mean, words can't describe i was i was uh i was nervous um uh, very anxious um to see if if our name was being called um I've been very comfortable throughout this whole week with this process until the last minute and a half um of the selection but um once they called our name i mean all my my emotions just let go so um I'm very fortunate that they i mean that they chose us and I think they they did it the right way
0: you as a senior, you've been through this
3: process before, but it wasn't done quite this way with the alphabetical. So you knew exactly the moment where they were going to do it or not do it. What was it like for you compared to other years?
1: Um, It was a little nerve wracking, you know, Uh, just, just up there, just looking, all right, in, all right. Oh, all right, here we go. So it was, it was nerve wracking for sure. Um, I'm glad that we got to do it my senior year. Uh, I'm glad that we got into the tournament. but we're not satisfied with that. So we're just going to get ready, ready for a,
7: a good Rhode Island team.
0: Trey, just to go to the tournament, that's a big part of what you came here to do. How
7: does it feel? Uh, I mean, it feels amazing. I mean, like Dean said, I mean, that's that's how you you, you want to end your season, being in the tournament and having a chance to win it all. I mean, everybody's 0-0 uh, zero zero now. Um, so the first team to win six is, is going to be uh, a champion. So uh, we just got to focus on, focus on Rhode Island. They're a very good team. I mean, they won their conference this year, uh, lost today in their championship. Um, but they're a very good team. We have a lot of respect for them, so we got to be ready to play uh, against a very good team.
8: Trey, you were bent over. What were you doing in those moments before the name
0: popped up? I think I know, but what were you doing? And, Kadeem, you looked as loose as could be. You guys were on sort of polar opposites, it seemed like.
1: Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, nah, Trey, uh, I'm a relaxed type of guy, you know, uh, I try not to stress too much, and, and when they called my name, when they called our name, we were just excited, you know, I, I, I just felt that energy, you know, uh,
7: I took some of Trey's
1: energy, that's why he was laying like that.
7: <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was just, I was just very, I mean, very emotional, very, very tense, I mean, I, I wanted to, to play in this tournament so bad, um, I mean, this is something that I dreamed of as a kid, and, uh, so I was just very I mean very emotional, very I mean just excited. Uh, I just had a bunch of emotions running through my body, and so I, I couldn't do anything but just sit there and pray and then i mean thank thank my my grandfather for everything he'd done for me, so uh, i'll just I'll just a lot of emotions for sure.
6: Kadeem, Trey said that he was loose until the last minute and a half before the name popped up. what were you what were your emotions like the last three days leading up to this?
1: Um. You know, I was. Uh, I talked to my mom. Uh, we just talked. We, she she said, "Look, um, we didn't do what we needed to do towards the end. Uh, and so we we put our fate up in the air. Uh, so at this point, all we could do is is get ready for for whatever is ahead of us. Um, and pray for the best outcome. <clears throat> I mean, that's what we did. Uh, we had two very intense practices. Um, and we just just we just started to get ready. Um, for, for whatever for the fight that lies in front of us. Uh, did you
6: spend the last couple days like going over things, trying to figure out if you guys were still in or not, or did you just sort of enjoy the process? Well, like any fan, uh,
5: watching the, watching the ball games, uh, you know, uh, listening to you know everyone's ideas about w- what's out there, which of course, you know, there's a wide range of uh, you know accuracy there. But uh, no, just uh, we're a fan like anyone else. Don't have any more information than anyone else has got. So, just uh, waited it out.
6: A ten game today, and what did you think when Davidson knocked them off, taking away a spot from the
7: bubble? Uh, I actually did um, for a little bit there. Um, I mean, I actually thought Rhode Island was going to win the game um, early on, and uh, so I turned the TV off, and then I saw that they had won. I uh, had lost by one point, um, but I mean, knowing us, we were on the bubble, so we didn't want any upsets really to happen um, at this point, but. Uh, I felt pretty good, like I said, all the way up to a minute before we uh, they announced us. So, you've
3: been through a lot of selection Sundays, good and bad. Was this one any different than any other one? Or? I don't know. Uh,
5: different. Uh, you know, we've uh, in 40 years we've been on in the bubble. I guess a few times. Uh, uh, knock on wood. We've ne- we've never really gone in with expecting a chance to get in and, and not getting in. So, we're hoping that that trend would continue. Uh, But uh, uh, the format was a little different, of course. Like these guys have said, when it goes alphabetical and you start, uh, there's moments there where you're a little bit anxious, for sure.
7: Obviously, the reaction wasn't going to be any bigger than when you guys
0: saw you got in. But when those last, the first four in teams were announced and you guys weren't in that group, you almost had as much of a reaction to that that you guys weren't
2: going to play in the first four. You weren't sort of... On the bubble, like a lot of people thought. What was your thought
8: process as that list was announced?
1: Um, you know, we don't we don't really want anything easy, um, but yeah, that made it easier. You know, that that made it a little bit more. It gave us a little bit more. All right, so this is what we're doing. This is the fight. This is this is what's going on, as opposed to you know playing in, in those early games. Trey, what,
2: what was your reaction to that? That there was a lot of talk about how close you guys were to not being in, and then to see you're not only in, but you're pretty safely.
7: Yeah, uh, you, I mean, you, you didn't want to be in those those uh, those two games before the 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 real thing started. Um, but we knew we had a, a chance to do that, an opportunity to do that. Um, but I mean, we we were happy that we didn't have to. Um, I mean, we knew if that was the case that we would have to be ready and uh, had to leave early in the morning, just get prepared early. But um, we're satisfied that we don't have to do that and. Uh, so I think it was just a good feeling that knowing that you didn't have to do that to get into the, the main playing field.
1: You guys to kind see of, more.
4: It's your struggle kinda of started with play that second lap through the Big Twelve. Mm-hmm.
7: Is there
3: now a relief that you're playing new people now?
7: Uh I'm not I'm not saying it's a relief. I mean I, I think the only relief now is just that it's zero and zero. I mean, everybody has the same record. Um now we know who we have to to play. Um I mean it's gonna be a little different playing against a non b 12 team. Um, so we've got to get prepared for them. Like I said, they're a really good team, and uh, we'll have to be ready to play.
6: Kadeem okay, okay, and Trey see it.
8: the matchup against Rhode Island. And then seconds later, Charles Barkley's talking about how you guys shouldn't be in that You guys are on in the first round. What kind of motivation are you going to have going into this tournament to kind of prove that the team in December was the real you guys? Uh, I mean, I know our team
7: I mean, has a big chip on their shoulder. And me personally, I have a... Uh, I have a tremendous chip on my shoulder and um uh, just to be ready to play. Um I hear a lot of things. A lot of, not a lot of people think that we should be in, um which is fine. Uh the people that made the right decisions that we should be and I think that if you put a blind resume up, I mean, I think that's I mean that's what we would be in if you were just picking. Um so I think uh we all have a tremendous chip on our shoulder. Um but I don't think a lot of people have us in here. Uh, I mean, expected us to be here, so um, we just got to be ready to play.
6: Along those lines, uh, what is it, Trey and and Lon, too, and Yadeem, all three of you, what is it that you feel like gives this team a chance to to get things turned around and finish the season better than what y'all finished the last month? This
5: this group's obviously played much better basketball than we did in the last month. Uh, No question about that. I, I think... You know the the key too with uh, you know what Mike Shepard and Joe Castiglione, you know the originators of the schedule. You know I think uh, you know that that was huge. I mean uh, not you know these guys had to win games, but to play those games in November December, obviously and winning those is why we're in the tournament. Uh, and I think that uh, but those are the ground rules going in. You know and and Shep has always done a great job of of anticipating and trying to you know put together the RPI teams that that need to be played. And uh, obviously we've. Never shied away from strength, you know, strong schedules and non-conference. So, but I think I think in this case, you know, it's probably a bigger example of, of significance of that than than is typical because uh, we didn't play well the last month. But this team can. This team can. Uh, again, we're tied pretty closely to making shots. We got to try to change that a little bit and cover a little bit better, rebound a little bit better, and, and do all the other things uh, a little bit better too. Coach, are
3: you surprised at all? I I know you can't take an entire conference. But are you surprised at all that, that Oklahoma State didn't make it, given how strong they were on the second half
0: of the conference schedule?
5: Yeah, we were hoping as many Big 12 schools could get in as possible. And certainly Oklahoma State uh, uh, was playing uh, great, you know, like you say, in the last half of the conference especially. And uh, and we were hoping, uh, you know, uh, them and Baylor both would get in. Uh,
8: what do you know about the road uh, Watched
5: much of their game the last, last two days. You know, watched them uh, – you know uh, yesterday in a in a hard fought game uh win and then uh in a tough game today uh lost uh, but um, they're they're rangy they're athletic they've got a lot of really good scores they've uh do a great job defensively they are uh, good on the boards uh uh yep, they're a very good team so uh, uh but anyone's you know seated seven in the
3: tournament is going to be gonna be very good so o u will take on Rhode island in that very First game of the NCAA tournament coming up on Thursday morning. It's an 11.15 a.m. tip. Not only will we have that game for you on the Sooner Radio Network, as we always do, you can find an affiliate online at Soonersports.com, in Oklahoma City on 1077 FM, in Tulsa on 97.5 FM and 1430 The Buzz. But CBS will have coverage at 11.15 a.m. on Thursday morning and of course as we mentioned the women's team will be in action on Friday morning at 11 a.m as well too so hey at least if anything at least these tip times are rather consistent right (laughs) at least you're looking at a situation to where you don't have to think too much about when either team is tipping off. 11 a.m. ESPN2 Friday for OU and DePaul. 11.15 a.m. Thursday for Oklahoma and Rhode Island in the men's tournament. (laughs) All right, let's wrap things up with a little spring football talk. A handful of practices already in the book. Lincoln Riley gave us a primer on Thursday. It's been
2: a, you know, kind of an exciting time, been a while since we, we got together, so I uh, wanted to get a chance to, to come and visit with you guys here leading up into our, our spring practice. Uh, it's been a, been a great last several weeks. Our guys have been in the middle of a pretty rigorous offseason program. Uh, I think you could see the team adjusting to, to Coach Wiley uh, and his staff and strength and conditioning. I've uh, been really, really pleased with what we saw uh, as far as the development of our team. Uh, development of uh, the mentality starting to creep in a little bit with this team. Uh, young guys starting to to catch up to what to where we want to be. Older guys making some jumps in the weight room from a strength and conditioning perspective. And uh, we we've been through just finished this week a, a pretty rough week of what we term coaches stations. That's a uh, it's a physical test certainly, but definitely a mental toughness test too, which I think you're. Your strength coach is certainly a big part in building. So I, I like the direction of our team right now. Uh, everybody's tired of being in the office right now. Everybody's tired of being in the weight room. Everybody's excited to get back on the field, and uh, so we're very, very much looking forward to that. It's it's going to be an exciting spring practice. It's uh, college football springs are so much fun because your roster is going to change somewhere. You know, every year some areas not as much as. As, uh, as others. Sometimes it's this position group, that position group, but uh, all in all, it's still a new team. And so excited to see how this this new group starts to come together. i uh, have got a ton of position battles that, that will get underway here this spring that are going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, a lot of great new players, whether guys that we just brought in the program or guys that redshirted or maybe some that haven't played you know, quite as much up to this point that are going to have some big time opportunities. And uh, you know, we like the talent we have. We like the roster we have, and, and now, it's, now it's time to continue to develop and, and find out what kind of team that, that we can be. So very excited to get started this Saturday. We'll, we'll practice on, uh, on Saturday, and then we're going to come back and practice Tuesday and Thursday of the following week, and then uh, go into spring break right from there, come back and have our, uh, our last uh, 11 practices and then the spring game uh, obviously, after spring spring break, so we've got a a good schedule, one that balances getting a lot of work done and pushing them, but also getting all the meeting time and kind of taking our time through it as well. Uh, and then again, very excited about the spring game. We've we're uh, we've been knee deep in in the planning phases uh, uh, the last several weeks. Uh, uh, I'm, I think we're close to. Making public some of the plans that we have for our spring game, uh, but not quite ready yet, uh, but we've got some really really cool things that I think our fan base is going to be excited about. Uh, there's going to be some some definite changes to just about every part of the spring game that I think are going to make it even better and so and like I've said, it's still just such a huge weekend for us recruiting wise that you know uh, the University of Oklahoma, our football program, our fan support being able to put all our best foot forward uh, that day April the 14th is going to be just incredibly important for the future of this program and so again like I've said I know we got a job to do and we've we've been working hard behind the scenes to create something that everybody's going to be really proud and excited about and I'm very confident that our our fans uh, Sooner Nation will respond the way that uh, the way that we know they will so um a couple of quick things here. Uh, I know we covered some of the injuries uh, before, but uh, out for spring, uh, Starlin Baldwin came in with a uh, with an injury that we knew about, um, is in the process of recovery right now, um, rehab, getting back to full strength. But he, he'll be out this spring. Uh, and then the three ones that are all expected that had off-season surgeries, uh, Mike L. Jones and Caleb Kelly that had off-season shoulder surgery, and uh, Nick Basquin uh, who obviously we we spoke about last time with his other Achilles. So all four of those guys, you know, fully expected back for the fall. They've been participating in a kind of a limited, uh, a limited way within our strength and conditioning right now. But those guys won't be available for spring practice. Uh, we got two guys that are coming off of off-season surgeries as well that will be limited during spring. We'll be able to get a little bit of work with them, uh, and that's Alex Dalton and Jordan Parker. Obviously, both coming off. Uh, knee injuries, but those guys are progressing really well and we will get to get a little bit of work with them through spring and we'll see how they progress from there. Uh, last thing and then we'll get to questions. Uh, we did make our last assistant strength coach hire, uh, brought in Brian Kagan's. Uh, Brian played offensive line for us at Texas Tech, uh, was from Stephenville. Uh, was a really good player for us at Tech, and then got into the strength and conditioning field, uh, has worked with Coach Wiley at a couple of different stops, um, also been in the, the Texas high school ranks, has done a tremendous job. Uh, we're really excited to, to get him. He is uh, – uh, great worker, brings kind of a great pedigree, uh, tremendous work ethic, very strong in kind of the area of the sports science, which is you know, something that you know, we're continuing to build on and try to be on the cutting edge with, both with the people that we've hired and, again, our strength and conditioning facility in the Switzer Center, which is the best one in the country. So Brian's just going to add to that group, and he's already up and running with our guys and so excited to, to welcome Brian here to Oklahoma.
3: Playing baseball
2: affect what you're trying to do with him this spring? Actually, not much. Uh, strength and conditioning-wise, you know, uh, Coach Wiley and then our strength staff with with baseball have done a good job of of staying in contact and and the way you train baseball players, the way you train quarterbacks. There's there's actually not as many differences as you would think. It's not like we're sitting there trying to train a linebacker, you know. So it's. Uh, there's been a lot of carryover, um, and then, like i 've said before, I think we we all just after going through this last year, have a better sense of the schedule, what we can do to help Kyler you know uh, you know scheduling out you know even just the times that he can sleep, his nutrition, uh, just trying to trying to balance it where he 's not missing anything in football and he 's not going to miss any of the spring practices, um, and I think we have it scheduled out where he 's only going to miss one baseball game, which was lucky and, and good scheduling on our part. We've got a ton of home games. Uh, he's going to have several days where he's going to practice and then he's going to, after we'll get him done with practice, maybe 15 minutes early get his reps in and then go over to the baseball field. And he's actually uh, Saturday he'll practice that morning and then has a doubleheader. So he'll sleep good Saturday night. Um, but he's, he's pushing through it. He's been able to attend everything football related. And uh, so, yeah, I think it's been good. When it comes
5: to that position, it's expected to be a close race between he and Austin and Tanner what are the variables from a quarterback coach that maybe you'll look for that may finally decide who's the guy gonna
2: be there's a lot I mean I think it's you know it's there's always of course an element of performance I mean the guy's got to be able to perform and do his job and then I think there's the element of the the intangibles you know the leadership the toughness the mentality that that he brings to your group Um, do the other ten guys play better when he's in there and so uh, you know we've told them all look it's this thing's going to be it's not going to be a sprint it's going to be a marathon uh we we're, we're lucky in the way we practice we can get a lot of reps we can get a good look at these guys through spring, how they progress into summer um, and uh, and then into camp and so uh yeah it's it's going to be a lot of fun again, having guys that have been in this system for multiple years been in the meeting room with me for multiple years i've got a lot of confidence in them, and they are they are they are ready to compete you know they they all feel like this is their time, like they should, and uh, so it's going to be a fun battle.
8: So many people assume, and we read it all the time, that Kyler's going to be the next starting quarterback. Austin had the redshirt year. How much did that redshirt year help him? And how much do you think he'll feed off the competition because he, he he probably hears that noise?
2: Yeah, you know, first thing I'd say, there's zero assumptions in our building. So all that on the outside is is what it is. It's noise. You know, it's uh, it has nothing to do with this competition. Uh, uh, Austin's, I think, just motivated to to come compete. I mean, that's what I, I actually met with him the other day, and I said, "Hey, this is why you came all the way from North Carolina uh, to come to Oklahoma was to have a chance to be the guy here." And this is, you know, this is a a great opportunity. Um, last year really benefited him. Um, he is the healthiest that he's ever been. He's the he's in the best shape uh, from a strength perspective that he's ever been. And then just the value of day in and day out going against our defense every single day, being able to really push himself off the field because he wasn't saving up for a game. You just see a difference with the kid right now. There, there's no doubt he's in a. You know he did a great job for us as the backup two years ago, uh, especially in a tough situation as a true freshman. Uh, but I, he is in a great place right now to to go compete and make a serious run at that. As our our other as our Tanner Schaefer and Kyler, I mean I. I told him the other day I could care less who it is. I just want him to be good.
3: Austin and Kyler, they have seemingly pretty different skill sets. Mm -hmm. How how does that change things for you in the spring where it seems like at some point you kind of got to tailor this to one guy as opposed to the
2: other? Yeah, I mean, I I think our system has enough versatility to it that as you you get to the guy and you you narrow it down a little bit that, that we can get there. I think the most important thing right now is getting the right guy you know I think that's more important than trying to worry too much about individual skill sets right now. I mean, we we've got our base things that we're going to do year in and year out and and whoever it is and regardless of what skill set he has, he better be good at those. If not, he's not going to be the guy, so we don't got to worry about tailoring anything to him. Um so th- that's the stuff that we'll focus on right now and then as as things become more clear, then uh you know, and, and as a guy emerges then we'll certainly try to build a few things around maybe what he does well in particular.
6: Whenever anybody's asked you about offense and defense, <clears throat> since you've been here, you've always mentioned special teams along with it. I mean having two guys now that are dedicated to that, how much does that kind of send a message to the team about the importance that you're placing on special teams? It's been a
2: it's been a hot topic for us throughout the throughout the off season, both both as a staff and, and then with the players. Uh you know, we are we know we gotta be better there. I mean that's 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 the bottom line. And there's things as players that we have to do better. There's things as the head coach that I didn't do well enough, you know, in the first year as far as, you know, making sure that you're giving special teams guys, you know, enough time, making sure that you're helping with the overall organization, giving the guys that are working on the different teams uh enough tools to get done what they need to get done. And so I think we all looked at it and said, Hey, you know, we don't feel like we're really far off in any area, but we also feel like that. You know, coaches, players, all of us, we all got to take a big step forward there. And so, yeah, bringing Shane in has been has been great for that. He he and Jay have worked very well together. I think we've got a, you know, pretty good plan going forward uh, of of how we want to do it. We're going to test run a few things in the spring, and then uh, certainly settle in going into going into the fall. But I I feel great about it. You know, I think we've got a team that's going to embrace it. I think being able to split those guys up where they can really focus in on a few areas and then also continue to make big contributions to us offensively was kind of the the whole plan when we first thought about hiring Shane. And uh, so I've been really happy with the progress and it'll be a big point of emphasis during spring ball. How do, you,
6: how, how do you want to see that kind of manifest itself? I mean, is it just creating chaos on special teams
2: with blocks and returns and... Well, there's, yeah I yeah, I mean, I think sometimes people always associate, well, a good special teams like only blocks kicks or has. There's also being solid and sound too, there's that element. And and I think there's gonna be different situations throughout the year, where you're gonna have to be able to do both. Where sometimes sound is the best thing to help us win this game. Sometimes being aggressive and going making a big play is gonna be the best thing to help us win this game. So just like on offense or defense, I think you have to be able to do both
6: plan for Austin Seibert this spring? I know in the past he's been more limited in spring. He's focusing on specific elements of the kicking game. What do you guys have in store for him this time
2: around? Yeah, in a little bit of a different place with him, I feel like, than we were last spring. Uh, Again, I think, you know, Jay, our guys, Austin, they all did a really nice job with his just overall preparation from spring ball on throughout the year last year that And I think he was just he was much more productive in all the areas combined, you know, and had obviously had a great year for us. So uh, I think we're in a little bit better position to continue to work him in all the different areas. The thing that we've got to continue to be careful of is, you know, just not again, not overworking him. Uh, But he's in a I think a position where there's just there's not one glaring area for him. I think it's just finding a few things in each of the each of his jobs to continue to improve out. And that'll be the aim this spring.
0: What's expect from Kennedy Brooks this spring? I'm excited
2: about Kennedy. Kennedy's had a really nice offseason uh, coming off that shoulder surgery from the fall. He's really developed his body, um, walking around with a little confidence right now. You know, you can see you the know, weight room and all that will do that to you. And, uh, you know, we know the guy's really skilled carrying the football. So he's going to get a lot of carries. I mean, he's going to get a lot of work this spring. You know, we're going to work him a lot, we're going to work TJ Pledger a lot. Uh, uh, we'll work Marcellus Sutton a lot, and then certainly you know Rodney and Trey are going to get their fair share as well. So we've got a good group there. Uh, but really, you know, didn't get to see a ton of Kendi in the fall because we made the decision to have the surgery pretty early. So I'm really excited to see what what he can do, and and just with all this uh, with this full off season under his belt right now.
8: You're not just replacing the guy behind center; you're also replacing the center. Yeah. What are the
2: dynamics of going through both those changes at the exact same time? That's an interesting question. Um there's it'll it'll be different. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Those are the two guys that that control the most of what we do on the field. And uh you know, it's it's kind of the situations are different though, you know, where the quarterback battle, you've got pretty, you know, guys with that are about the same age that are relatively close in terms of experience where the center battle is about as different as it could be. You know, we were so fortunate to be able to redshirt, you know, Jonathan Alvarez. We Bill and I looked at each other like when we first thought of the plan in August, we're like, there's no way in hell that's gonna happen. You know, there's no way we're gonna be able to get through a whole season with the center and him not be nicked up. I mean, especially in today's day, I mean the helmet pops off one play. If the helmet would have came off one play in the Rose Bowl, we'd have to throw Alvarez in. I mean, so you just the chances of it happening were so low. So Anyways, we get to this point, so we've, you know, we've got him. He's played a ton of ball for us, you know, ton of experience in our system. You know, one of our leaders there. Uh, he's going to definitely be a factor. And then, you know, Creed, we were also close to playing as well. I mean, he is just so talented and uh, really, I think, grew throughout the year. We were able to rep him a lot during the year, even when we were still hoping to redshirt him um, and rep him a lot with our with our first and second group. So he's had almost like a year's worth of practice, even though he actually didn't play on Saturday. So it's going to be a great battle. I mean, it really is. Those two guys, they both get after it. Uh, they are the, the young, talented guy that's hungry to get on the field and kind of the veteran that's wanting to you know, kind of have his last great year here. And so it's gonna, it'll be a fun battle to watch. It's not many people have one good center, and we, we got two. And uh, so that's a, a big time luxury
6: guys went to a college football playoff your first year here. Then you kind of went through a leadership void going into your second year when you're offensive coordinator. Um, did you learn anything from kind of going through that spring and you, know, you lost Tapper and you know, um, Stryker and Sterling Shepard, mm-hmm. kind of the big voices on that team. You're kind of going through that again a little bit. What, what can you do as a head coach to kind of
2: foster that? Yeah, no, I think you've got to you do, you gotta do a lot of things. You've got you've to first identify who on your team that you think can lead. Uh, you 've got to you 've got to teach them how to lead you 've got to push them out of their comfort zone to do it more and more you 've got to make guys realize that you know a year ago you were either in high school or you were maybe on this team listening to somebody else always looking to somebody else now they 're all looking at you and it 's a it 's a different perspective for them so you 've got to teach them and then you 've also got to put them in in different situations where their leadership's required, whether it's good, whether it's you know adverse situations, whatever it is. So we're, that's, that's definitely a point of emphasis for this team and this program right now. Uh, we know to be the team we want to be and make the run that we want to make, uh, that we have to have great leadership year in and year out. Uh, we've got some really intriguing young potential leaders. I mean, guys, I think they're going to be great at it, uh, but we need them to be great now. And uh, so that'll be just as important, if not more important, than how we develop them on the field do
6: your, do your offensive guys kind of need to know like having a guy like Baker around here wasn't normal from a quarterback like a raw rah guy. I mean a lot of quarterbacks are reserved and even killed you is it Is it going to be strange from that kind of getting other guys on the offense to be leaders that not coming from the quarterback position as much
2: I don't think so i mean i, I you know. You know we go through this every year at different positions, and I know people on the outside place so much emphasis on the quarterback, and I understand it's an important position, but I mean we've lost great leaders and great players every every year I've been here, and every year I've been everywhere else too and so that's just part of what you do and so it's it's it seems pretty normal i think uh are we going to have to have other guys step up and and continue to increase their roles and become bigger parts of the team on and off the field certainly but that's what you do each and every year, and we do have a lot of guys returning that have played a lot of ball that that uh, are doing a good job with our leadership so far.
7: Lincoln with uh, basquin and Jones
6: out, how does that open it up for Jaquelyn Crocker or Charles <coughs> Rambo when it comes to the slot?
2: Yeah, it, it 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 makes things interesting. You know, it's we're gonna probably look at a few more guys in the slot than maybe we would have. Um, we may move some guys around a little bit more this spring, more than we would have because of that, because we need to be repping guys that, you know, that obviously have a realistic chance to play. And uh so uh we we've talked about that a little bit. I think we've got a good plan. I mean we're gonna start off, you know, there with you know, with Calcaterra, with Lee Morris and uh and then Miles Tees, of course, who did some really nice things for us during the year last year and then and then also wanna take a look at some of those other guys there potentially too. So um We're, you know, we know CD's, you know, probably going to stay where he is, Uh, you know, Calcatero will probably stay where he is. And then after that, we feel like we've got a pretty versatile group of guys that you could make an argument for inside or outside, which is what we've, you know, hoped to build here at our receiving core. So I think we'll see, I don't know if you will necessarily see it in a spring game setting, but we're going to, we're going to bounce these guys around and try to really get a good evaluation on who can help us.
8: You've had a real versatile player in Dmitri Flowers.
2: How do you replace him, and who are some of the candidates do you look at that position? Yeah, Carson Meyer will be, you know, will be in the middle of it, and Jeremiah Hall will be in the middle of it. I mean, those are, those are definitely the, the, the top two right now. Uh, I want to take a look at those guys. It's, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting position, you know, because I think it's, you know, what you do at that position is very. You got to really lean on what the individual guys can do. Um, and, you know, Dmitri, you know, was able to do a few things earlier in his career and obviously built up into being able to do so much. And so, you know, we've got to find the best guy, but also it'll be on us as coaches to make sure we, you know, we're putting them in good situations and putting them, having them in there doing things that they're good at, and then we'll hopefully continue to to build that skill set. But it's it's a big part of our offense. Uh, Jeremiah and Carson's will be, you know, similar in a way to, uh, Alvarez and uh, Creed Humphreys battle. You know, kind of two guys at different ends of it, but two guys that are talented. They've been in the system, and and uh, they know that if you win that job, there's a lot of good opportunities. You also
0: got to replace Orlando Brown. Um, what are your options
3: at that spot? That's obviously a difficult
2: person to replace. Yeah, we've got some pretty good options. You know, I mean, I think you know we've got two two guys that have played you know a lot of tackle here. Uh, and you know, obviously, Bobby Evans. I mean, is going to be a factor. Uh, you know, we would hope to be able to leave, uh, you know, Drew Samia inside. You know, he's really played so well for us at guard there the last couple of years. But we all know he started, you know, for a whole year uh, as a right tackle, as a as a true freshman as well. So I think, I think there's that option. Um, but we're going to we're not going to start that way. We're going to give, you know, Adrian Ely, uh, Quinn Mittermeyer, Eric Schwenson, um you know we'll get uh, bray Walker uh, Daryl Simpson here in in uh, uh, this summer, so we're going to give those guys a first look and if we had our way, one of those guys would would take over that other tackle spot and uh so that that's going to be the first crack at it and then uh if that's not where we're where we're best then we'll we'll make some moves from there Lincoln,
8: are we, uh, just looking down the road and with Kyler, are we past the age where a player could um, Play professionally in baseball and football.
2: That's a good question. Um, it'd be tough. Um, I think it'd be really tough just because of the positions that he plays. Um, I know you know some of the other guys that have done it in the past. You know, and there hasn't been many. <laughs> it's a short list. Uh, you know, we're we're certainly not quarterbacks. Um, so, I, I do think it would be tough. Is he skilled enough to potentially do it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'll be those will be interesting discussions, you know, as as you go forward. But we're happy we're able to, you know, that collectively we've been able to, you know, make it work here. You know, think it's he's gotten off to a good start, you know, for uh, on the diamond right now, which is which is great to see. And so uh, and you know, happy with what he's doing football wise now too do it at a really high level. I
8: mean, I can't think of anybody besides Deion Sanders, but he was sort of perfectly built for both his positions, like you said, where he played uh, both sports. Why do you think there haven't been very many people do that recently besides the fact that maybe it's just really hard? I mean, it seems like that's just completely fallen off. People are so ready to specify what sports they play. Well, when you think of the guys that
2: have tried to do it, I mean, you're talking about three of the most elite athletes in the history of, like, the world. I mean, Deion, Bo, Michael Jordan. Now, I know the baseball thing didn't work out great for Michael. Uh, but, you know, it's it's physically there's not many guys, period, that can do it, period. I mean, to play at the most elite level possible and to do it in two different sports. And then mentally I, I don't think many people have the makeup. I think sports are so intensive right now that guys want that time away when they can get it. And so uh, I think it's just a rare breed that can both – Physically and mentally handle it and want to do it all.
7: Lincoln, have you talked to any of the guys who participated in the, the combine this past weekend, and if so, how those conversations go? Yeah, I've talked
2: to I've talked to most of them either either on the phone or through text. Um, it was good. You know, it's fun to see those guys get a chance to go. You know, live their dream out, and uh, certainly be able to catch up with more of them when they get back here. Most of them are coming in here throughout the weekend. Uh, in anticipation of pro day next Wednesday, you know, which is going to be a great event here. So I think our guys are good. They're excited about it. Um, You know, I think more than anything, they enjoy getting out there and meeting with the different teams, getting to meet some of the different players that they've competed against or watched here for the last several years. So uh, the the group's excited. They're, They're excited to get back Wednesday and it's a tough process on those guys. I think more than anything, they'll be ready for Wednesday to get past. all their all their team visits and individual workouts to get past. You know, let's go ahead and get drafted and get on a team and get moving.
6: Had one of the most talked about combine performances. What advice do you give him going into Friday after what happened at the combine? Well,
2: I mean, the thing with Orlando, would I've expected that he would have tested a little bit better than he did? Yes, and and I think he will here next Wednesday. Um, with that being said, Orlando's never going to be a great test guy. That's just some guys got their deals. I mean, I've, I can't count how many football players that I've seen throughout the years that are unbelievable in the weight room. I mean, just freaks in the weight room. They can do all this weight and all this and that, and then you go toss them on a football field and they can't play dead. And so I get it. I know they want to test their physical skills, um, but what that guy's gifted at is playing tackle and playing football and uh, so I told them to keep the main thing the main thing and train hard and be ready to put your best foot forward on pro day but most important things that film and you know he can run whatever Uh, I know he's disappointed wants to run better and he'll run better here this Wednesday but I think uh, that tape didn't go away you go click on tape against Georgia uh, you know Clemson uh, Auburn, you know, Ohio State and and see a guy that is uh, one of the best tackles in the game and, and he's going to be, I feel like, when he gets to the next level as well. Coach, it's obviously early right now, your first spring practice as a head coach, a lot of new players. I'm just, It sounds like you have a couple
6: of
0: ideas of who or play where, what you want to do. When does, does an idea of a depth chart ever come in during the spring and, and if so, do you make that public to the players at all or is that one of those things that you kind of just keep up?
3: In your head,
2: with with you and the other assistant coaches, is that like a subliminal hint? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it's 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 definitely a moving target right now. I mean, we we've got a starting point, of course, in our offices. We got a you know a starting point with new players, even some of the guys returning that have a chance to maybe bounce around or help you in different areas. So we're we're definitely we we've got a plan, but we also understand at spring ball, you know, a lot of these guys we've never worked with before, and so we want to. We want to be open-minded, though, and make sure that we don't discount it, anybody at, uh, at a position where they could potentially help our football team. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll look at it as we go through. But I, like again, I could send you one right now, and then it'd be blowing up probably in a couple of weeks. So, um, we we've got a pretty good idea of where we want to start, though. Is there one position
0: group that you'd be willing to
2: share that is most up in the air than any other one, or is that more in the down low? <sighs> I mean, there's so many that are up in the air. You know, I mean, you know quarterbacks up in the air. I mean, I think H backs up in the air. It's definitely certain positions on the offensive line are definitely up in the air. Uh, you know, we're placing some D linemen. We're placing a couple of linebackers. We're placing two safeties. Um, and, and then the flip side too is, you know, this is Oklahoma. We brought in some pretty darn good players and there's been a lot of them in the past where maybe a guy started the year before and everybody thinks, well, of course, just assumes he's going to start. And, uh, and then somebody comes in and beats them out. So uh that's there's you gotta earn it here every single year. And uh so there there'll be changes and it'll be it'll be fluid as always. Lincoln
6: in reading the Q and A, you appear to be pretty high on Ryan Jones. What is it about him that has you so pumped up?
2: Yeah, he's got a unique ability. Um, you know, he's kind of made the move from first a receiver then to a to a safety, and you know, now we've got him down at outside linebacker and uh yeah I, I excited about what you see i mean any anytime a guy with that type of athleticism can get big enough you it's it's intriguing you know because it just it's a different kind of athleticism than what you normally see at the position so he he's he's still got a long ways to go a lot of a lot of maturing uh, a lot of growing as a player both on and off the field but there's there's some potential there that you know i know. You know, Mike, all of us want to get a really good look at him this spring because you, you see some things that say, you know what, he could maybe be a difference maker here in the future. Do you see Kenneth Murray being a middle linebacker moving forward, or could he possibly switch positions? it would interesting to see. I mean, I our certainly our initial plan will be him staying at Mike. You know, he had a good, you know, a full season of that, you know, learned so much and got so much better throughout the year. But he does bring a skill set that, you know, could allow for potential changes if that's what made sense for the team. So uh you love having those guys that you're very happy if they stay at their position, but if it works out better that we need him somewhere else even more that he can physically and, and, and now mentally go handle that. I mean once you've played Mike, it's kinda like playing quarterback. You gotta know what everybody's doing. And so if he had to make a move now I think he would, you know, be able to do it pretty quickly. So he, he gives us some versatility, but right now he's he's uh He's he's definitely penciled in it, Mike. Lincoln, you talked
3: about Kennedy Brooks. It seems like a guy on the other side that's in the very same case as Levi Draper. How's, how's he looked heading into the spring? Similar
2: to Kennedy, you know. He's, he's you know, kind of got some confidence back. You know, those those guys get in here and, and have a surgery and out for a whole season. You know, it's it's hard on them. You know, and now he's he's back full going the weight room. He had a great kind of conditioning session with us here this last week. Uh, we're going to give him a great shot there, you know, with Emmanuel Beal being gone. We're going to work him a lot at that wheel linebacker position, and he's going to have a, a really, really good run at it. So uh, he's put on some weight, you know, speed's back. You know, he he, he looks good right now. He's definitely, well, I'd say, one of the guys I'm definitely, you know, very interested to see uh, as far as what he does this spring.
8: How hands-on is Benny and his uh, – or maybe how's he different from uh, Jerry Schmidt? in the past because his seems like uh just by watching his instagram super active himself in there in, the, in that weight room
2: yeah i don't know that i compare i mean they're both guys that are at the top of their professions um uh, but benny's benny's been great you know it's been it's been different for our guys you know which you know sometimes that can be good uh, i think our team has certainly seen it as a positive uh he's very he's very hands-on he's right in the middle of it with our guys um very interactive um Spends a lot of time with them out of the weight room too. You know, he's done a great job. I think of just investing in our team, getting to know our guys, and I think that's one of the bonds of between him and the team. You can already, you know, see them starting to form even in such a short time. So, uh, yeah, he's he's been a, a good breath of fresh air. You know, for the whole program, uh, I've, I've been really pleased. Uh, really pleased. I think he helps bring a, a great mentality here, which, like I said earlier, I think is so critical for that position. Uh, so. Yeah, i just, I mean, I couldn't have hired anybody better.
8: You're running out of first. This is your first spring. You have to ask so to ask you're going to here pretty soon. soon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, how much
2: did you keep over the past
8: three years here, what you're doing this spring? And are there a lot of changes, or are they subtle changes, or is there a lot of
2: differences? Oh, subtle. Uh, subtle. I would say, the, you know, a lot of the base core values of the program, um, a lot of the things, you know, again, I. We're in a great place um, and were things that I've already believed in myself, um, you know, as far as the way that that Coach Stoops had it set up. So, uh, probably more subtle changes, but they're, you know, in each and everything, you find a few things that you say, you know what, we're going to do it a little different here for this reason or that reason. And that's just what we think, you know, this team and this program needs right now. So, we haven't been shy about changing those things. And our, our players would probably tell you there's, there's a lot, it probably maybe feels like a lot to them. Uh, But yeah, I think we're, it's a thing that we've really been on the same page with staff wise and just in trying to identify, not necessarily trying to put our stamp on it, like I've said before, but just what does this program and this current team need right now? What's going to make us the best? And so we've, if we feel like there's a change that can make us better, we've been pretty, pretty aggressive about it.
6: You have, you know, time between like the Rose Bowl and the start of spring, and then you'll go into another off season, how important has it been for you to kind of establish um you know things for players such as
2: the grow you and, and you know bringing people in to talk about career goals and personal growth and things like that it's been really important uh you know I thought I thought when all this happened that you know you don't you don't get a job especially one like the one that I have right now and especially when you're 33 years old you don't get that by yourself i mean if you if you think you do, you're wrong. I mean, you you got to work hard and, and be in the right situation and all that, but you had to have a lot of people, which I was fortunate that I did. You have to have a lot of people along the way that, that help you and and help guide you and keep you from screwing it all up. And uh, for whatever reason, I was really just over-the-top lucky, fortunate, right place, right time, however you want to say it, to, to have so many people that helped me along the way. And so now I feel like in this role that's – that's my job now, you know, with these players. And uh, I, you know, I'm obviously still really involved in the football side of it. And and I'd like to be pretty hands-on in all areas of it, but you know, that's not my most important job anymore. You know, my most important job is when, when I promise this mom or dad that I'm gonna take care of their son, that I see it all the way through. And so uh, our staff has really embraced it. It's been, our, our administration's embraced it as far as, you know, you know, investing in this area for us and allowing us to do the things that we think are important, and, and our, our teams enjoyed it. They really have. We've been able to do a lot of cool things with them that have absolutely nothing to do with football that have just, I think, really helped prepare them for life now, life after football, um, So, and it's been kind of a bonding point for us as well, so that's yeah, uh It'll always, as long, as long as I'm here, it'll be a big part of what we do.
3: Well, there you have it. Another edition of the Game Plan here on the Sooner Sports Podcast. On Friday's edition, we'll have a recap of the first-round game in the NCAA tournament for the OU men. Uh, we'll get you ready for the first-round game. In fact, uh, as the podcast drops on Friday, it'll probably be right around game time, so we'll have tons of information on the OU women in their first-round game against DePaul. Softball has a huge trip coming up this week and out to the West Coast in Fullerton, including matchups against Nebraska and the ranked Ohio State Buckeye. So it's a big weekend for softball. Huge home series for the Sooner baseball team against Kennesaw State this weekend. And of course, our Sooner born Sooner bred spotlight athlete of the week is Brad Dahlke as the OU men's golf team still hanging around in the top six of the NCAA golf rankings. So it's a busy week ahead, and we didn't even mention Pro Day on Wednesday. So as you listen to this, Teddy Lehman, Chad McKee, and myself – We'll be live on Fox Sports Oklahoma coming up on Wednesday to go in-depth on Pro Day, what will be a huge day for Sooners trying to make a name for themselves like Orlando Brown Jr. trying to recover from a tough combine performance and guys that maybe didn't have that combine invite. The Devontae Lampkin, the Stephen Parker, trying to do what they can to make a name for themselves. That's all coming up later this week on the Sooner Sports Podcast on the Friday edition known as The Tailgate. Until then, everyone have a great week. Enjoy March Madness and Boomer Sooner, everybody.
6: This has been the Sooner Sports Podcast. Make sure to get
4: all the latest episodes online right now at Soonersports.tv slash podcast. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at OU on the air.